I believe everyone has a story to share. I'm on a journey to discover the magic inside each person's story. Each week, I will introduce you to guests where I will dig deep and uncover the beautiful miracles from life and experiences to inspire and encourage you to live life to the fullest. My goal is to give each guest a platform to share their lives with the world in hopes that someone will be inspired to take action and live life with passion and purpose. Welcome to the Uncover Your Magic podcast with me, Ashley Goner. Are you ready? Here we go. Welcome back to Uncover Your Magic. Well, today is a the first time in my podcasting journey that I went at the beginning, three years ago, I invited my guest that I'm going to share you with today to be on my podcast. And he said no. So what, three years have gone by and I said, you know what, I'm going to ask him again. And he said, yes. So that's a lesson in life to learn. You never just put those people that said no the first time. You've got to ask again. And I will explain why this man was such an important person to share with you. I remember, you know, he was on Oprah and Ellen DeGeneres. And I then I went to his books and I started with the his recent book. And we talk about that in the podcast which is called the Old Soul's Guidebook. And that started piquing an interest in understanding the soul levels. So he explains in the instruction book, his first book, each soul level and the characteristics. So now it's so hard to to meet someone and think, well, they probably are a soul level eight or they're probably a soul level three because I have Ainsley McLeod's information in my head <laughs> now so ingrained that I look at life differently and I look at my life differently. And he even did a reading, my reading, and I was not expecting that when we in this interview. So that will be fun for you to hear because I know like he has a wait list and I don't even know if he takes any more people, but um, it was such a gift to have him had taken the time before we met to do a little reading on me and give me my number. And it was a nine and 90%. So I'm almost to a 10. And I knew I was a higher level soul. I've always, you know, I felt that. And especially after I read the instruction and understood that I probably was a nine. I didn't know I was that far into it. But yeah, he, oh, it's just, you, you're going to want to read his books. That's all I can say. Because it'll make you realize like, okay, if you're most likely, if you're listening to this podcast, you're either an eight, nine or a 10. And you also understand that, you know, we always talk about your vibe attracts your tribe. It's really your soul, like your soul vibration level. Now that I've understood Ainsley's work, it's like, gosh, you get it. I couldn't be like your children pick you, your soul family. When you realize you're connected and you're all growing together, we've chose to be on this earth, right? We all chose this. This is the hardest place to be. This is the only place that makes you forget who you are. Every other realm in this universe, you don't forget. So we chose to forget. Isn't that crazy to think that? 
So, you know, when we go back and we pass on and we're like, oh my gosh, (laughs) that was crazy, right? Then we're going to just live that way, live with the freedom to know that, you know, we take life too seriously. We came here to play a game. We came here to expand. There's nothing ever wrong. There's nothing ever bad. I know when I say that and what the world's going through right now, but, and most of you could say, we're all here. We all chose that. And I've gone down other people, you know, read books about, you know, these people that are choose to die in a war, you know, chose to come in early and die. Like when you understand Ainsley's work, like that was their choice. And kind of when you look at, you know, I don't fear death, but when you, and it hasn't been my whole life that I haven't feared death, but you know, when you're little and you worry, but I feel like most of my life, I know that we don't die. And now that I know more from what Ainsley's work has taught me, that there's really no nothing to fear. And to look at everything as, you know, you could look at COVID as the beginning of, I think, this awakening that we all talk about now. And the people that chose to experience that, chose that. And the ones that are here right now are choosing to experience this. And I also, another fascinating thing, and I don't think we talk about that on this interview that I've learned from Ainsley, is, you know, when, like, let's say someone dies early, young, they want to be here so bad, they'll come back and be birthed again because they are wanting to be in this experience, in this game that we're playing right now, that is really exciting. And we're coming to this place. I don't know. No one knows when, because there's no time, but it's happening. And I've gone down so many rabbit holes and I know whoever's listening to this that knows me so well is laughing because I share all my rabbit holes with you. And it's really gotten to me to a place that, gosh, Three weeks ago, maybe two weeks ago, I'm different. I just, the transformation in my, in my soul and my understanding of life and to know that we're playing this game. And I always go back to that, my favorite book at the beginning of like when I first started reading spiritual book was, books was the game of life and how to play it by Florence Scovelshin. And all of her books are amazing. But you know, you go back there and you're like, it's a game and it's so fun. And make it fun. I make it fun for the girls. Like as a parent, you know, like teach these kids like the important things, their soul, their, you know, who they are. They're so powerful. They can do anything. And when you understand and and go deep into Ainsley's work and realize that we're all just here experiencing this human body, experiencing this life, we're human beings like Wayne Dyer, I love that him that man, but you know, he put a whole spin on my my mind and my learning and my expansion too. But you know, we're all here being, you know, let's be and do anything. You know, there it's endless. There's no limits. And it's so fun to live like that. So let me read a little bit about Ainsley. Ainsley McLeod is an internationally acclaimed past life psychic, spiritual teacher, and award-winning author of The Instruction, The Transformation, and most recently, The Old Souls Guidebook. Ainsley specializes in exploring past lives to reveal your life's purpose and has been a featured guest on Oprah's 
Super Soul Conversation Series on Ellen DeGeneres, and he lives on a tranquil island in the Pacific Northwest. And I know that island, it's called Vashon Island. And it, and I, I grew up across the water. We would go over to Vashon Island and water ski, right? It was right across from this, the marina that I grew up, right? The high school that I went to. So when he tells me this island and he does, I said, I know exactly. Not many people do, but my, all my Washington friends would recognize Vashon Island and that's where he lives. So anyway, I know you're going to love Ainsley as much as I did and read his books and expand your soul to understand that even when you meet a lower numbered soul, like they're perfect. They're on their journey. <laughs> you know, like there's no judgment. That's what's cool too. I We talk about that all the time, the girls and I, like, you know, and I explain to them the levels and you could go through life and get irritated or judge, but everyone's on their journey and they're all on their soul's number. <laughs> so let them live that life. We've already done that. If you're uh, listening now and you're the higher numbers, we've already been one, two, threes. You know, we've lived these lives in that on that level to get here. So no judgment. It's all perfect. Um, so let's see. Our retreat is coming up this weekend. It's sold out. And get on my website to email me or connect with me on there to sign up as a wait list because I will be having another one and I might be within the next couple months. I know that there was a big waiting list for this one and I hated to say no, but we are doing breath work and we're having a sound bath. So the seating in the mat area space was limited. So we had to limit the number. So I didn't want to say no to anyone and I had to, and it was crazy that that really happened. So do connect with me if you want to be on a list. You'd be the first for me to let know if when I do have my next one. And then my raising confidence, I'm still doing buy one, get one. So gosh, the the outpouring, the, uh, thank you for everyone who's listening, who reached out to me and now are, and get to change their children's lives. Like, thank you, thank you. Like, oh, and I think too, people that didn't know me but have been listening to the podcast and get to know me. It's so fun because I don't know them, but they feel like they know me so well that they trust me with their children. And it's just so amazing. And I and I just thank you all who are listening now that did reach out to take advantage of this buy one, get one. I'm not going to do it again. I mean, at least anytime soon, but I just wanted to do something different. I wanted to see the the response. It was huge. And I'm so grateful that I have... All these new kids and parents are taking the magic path. It works for that too. So if you're a parent and your kids aren't interested and you want to learn everything, I'm doing that as well for the magic path. So gosh, reach out to me. It starts at the beginning of February. Gosh, start the 2024 off on this mindset with the tools that you know that you're going to change your family's trajectory, their lives, their mindset, your kids, their beliefs. Gosh, it's so powerful to understand what's limiting you and why it's limiting you and how to switch it and how to change that and change your life. You will see life so differently. And I know after today's episode, you will see your life differently. That is for sure. And you'll want to learn and read the book to figure out what soul level you are. So without further ado, let's welcome Ainsley McLeod to the show. Welcome, Ainsley. Thank you very much. Very good to be here. 
Oh, I sometimes don't like to talk too much before we hit record because there's so much magic in this me meeting you. And, you know, I've even a teacher of mine, I want to say I've got the old souls guidebook probably three years ago when it first came out or two years ago. And then um, went from there, went backwards to the instruction and then the transformation. But, you know, I grew up in Normandy Park across and we'd go to Vashon Island to water ski. And so I have this connection to Vashon Island and a lot of listeners are from Washington. But there's something about I have had so many conversations lately with my husband, especially because we're home and, you know, we're talking this weekend about soul types and soul levels and why we gravitate towards so, so many people and what I've learned from you. When I know I'm ready to learn, the teacher appears. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's really where I've connected with you in that way. But to get the most out of this, I feel like, I mean, if someone doesn't know, really, I feel like you didn't find your gift or you were picking the breadcrumbs up along your life like we always are, right? But right. you discovered it like at, in your early 40s where you finally are like, oh, this is what I'm here to do. Can yeah. you kind of go a little bit back to kind of how you got to where you are and how you yeah, got to? Yeah, sure. I mean, I was raised in Scotland, lived in England, and then moved to the, the States about uh, 30 years ago. And I'd had these experiences all my life that were kind of psychic related, except for whatever reason, I never recognized it as such. I just thought, well, weird things happen. You know, oh, that was a coincidence or or whatever it was. And I had this weird thing too that psychics kept telling me I'm a psychic and that I should be doing something with it. And, uh, you know, my my big question was, well, first of all, I don't feel psychic and what, what the heck would I, I do with it? So, but I had people, I had a psychic come up to me in an airport a couple of times in a pub in London and with the same message. And it was all about, you know, you're psychic and you should be doing something with it. And so I got this multiple times, but had no idea really. I mean, I didn't really, I sort of filed it away to the back of my mind, really. But, you know, talking about heeding the call, I mean, I, looking back, I was getting, you know, slapped around by the spirit wall, like, wake up. And I wasn't, you know, I just just wasn't paying attention. And uh, the story I tell all the time is this is my sort of origin story. I'm, yeah, so in my early 40s, I moved to the West Coast of the States and uh, took a trip to Hawaii. I was kind of looking for some place I might fit in and feel was home. And I thought I've always been into Hawaiian music and culture Went there, didn't really feel it, you know, and was like, well, this isn't it. But on the trip, I, I, well, first of all, I had a session with a psychic and she was telling me about my uncle who was, and I'd heard this from several psychics that my uncle was a spirit guide and, and she's telling me that. And the next morning I was in a bookshop, just walking around in a very altered state. And I ran into him, just my uncle John. And, you know, at that point he'd been deceased for, like I think probably about a decade. And he came to me very, very, it was totally real. It was like three-dimensional, but only for about a second. It was very, very quick, but with a long message about working together. And long story short, I went back to the the mainland and uh, I just thought, well, I, you know, I keep hearing from people. And so that was, 
I mean, it was transformational. I mean, that experience, I talk about it quite casually, but it was like, I mean, it was really mind-blowing and unmistakable as well. This is not like a, like a vague sort of thing. This is like, boom, he's there, gone, but then he wants to work with me. And Hmm. so I just gave it a try and I'm just like basically sitting there going, okay, you know, are you there? And it took me a long time to sort of really get into the rhythm of, you know, what I do now. I practiced a lot communicating with, with, well, first with him. He didn't really want to deal with me too much. He, he was, he basically passed me on to another level of spirit guides. And so I then practiced for about three years, just, you know, every spare moment I was talking to the spirit world and asking them questions about people and life and history and geography and testing them, testing my ability to the point where they're kind of going, look, you know, are you ever going to do anything with this? You know, like, mm-hmm. You're meant to get this out into the world. So I started reading people and found that I had some ability there and just kind of built from that. And uh, over time, it was a question of really finding what it was that I really, you know, was meant to do or, you know, being supported or encouraged to do. And it really sort of came down to helping people to understand who they are and why they're here and particularly looking at past lives and how they affect our present life. Right. So that's the nutshell story there. So when you started to tap in, because you can tap into people's past lives, like a instead of doing a past life regression that I've done before. And so mm-hmm. that's the unique thing about you, Ainsley, is that Right. That you really can sit with someone and just go right into like, well, you were this in a past life. This is why you yeah. have this fear. And I've had past life regressions, but you know, I'm doing the hypnosis. I'm and you know, you're wondering if, is it real? Am I making this up? <laughs> yeah. I think it does help when somebody does it with me. I mean, I'm, I'm in the zone kind of all the time. So I don't have the patience to, I mean, I do group regressions, but I don't have the patience to do that one on one all the time, especially if I'm, you know, in, in the very earliest days, I tried regressing a couple of people, I mean, quite successfully, but it was slow and I'm already getting it. So, you know, I downloaded it in a minute and then I got somebody kind of slowly telling me, oh, I think huh. I see this. And it was like, oh gosh, you know, I'm too impatient for that. I so, saw that a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Huh. So, yeah. So I just started telling people, well, this happened and that happened. And then I would start to get these reactions like, oh, my God, you know, nobody knows about this fear I have or nobody, you know, even my own mother doesn't know this or or whatever. And looking at how these past life experiences show up in the present, because they show up as things like fears, phobias, limiting beliefs, physical ailments, and positive things like like uh, talents and abilities as well. They also, past lives are responsible for your entire personality. Right. So, you know, it's all based on, you know, who you are. It's all based on what you've learned to be in in earlier incarnations. So it took a while to sort of settle into exactly what that would look like, but that's been what I've been doing probably for the last 20 years now. So will you explain that this to everybody? Because this has been a great way. You've explained it so well. So we, in the astral plane, 
the causal plane, how we are our soul families. We choose our parents. Our parents choose us. Yeah. That whole way of before we get into the soul levels and the soul types. But can you explain how we plan our life in the astral plane? We do plan our lives. And um, the soul life plan is, it's not every detail of the upcoming incarnation, but we plan each lifetime, the sort of major experiences, the things that we want to, to, to get done. It allows for free will. So it's not like we're just helpless and following right some path, you know, so it's just, you know, the, the life plan will include things like, uh, well, like your personality, soul types. There are 10 of those and you, you we all have a combination of them. Right. And, you know, so we, you know, I will say who you are is why you're here. And what I mean by that is that your soul will look at the upcoming life and the things it wants to achieve, the possibilities that we'll have if it comes into this family or that family or this part of the world. And it will choose the personality, like like choosing a, a suit of clothes for each uh, each incarnation. You know, it's like, as I say in my last book, in the Old Souls Guidebook, you wouldn't wear flip flops to climb Mount Everest, right. or you wouldn't wear climbing gear for a day on the beach. You know, so your soul sees what's coming up and goes, "Okay, we could use this, we could use that," and it combines into the personality that you have. All for growth. Uh, Everything is about growing. Everything is about growing. Yeah. If you want to really go back to, you know, why are we here? It's, it's the whole thing is about growing constant evolution. Right. And that's what, you know, we talk about young and old souls. Young souls are just, they're inexperienced. Older souls have been around the block a few times and it, it certainly affects your perspective, how you view the, the world, how you view life. And it actually explains things like political differences, uh, social views. Of course, I actually say past lives explain everything. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that jokingly. I mean, I don't think there's a single thing about we humans that isn't past life related. Your tastes in music, I mean, or, you know, why you're drawn to one thing, not another, you know, places, locations, that's, that can be a big one. I mean, really everything. I often say it at events, I go, Challenge me. I'm saying everything is past life related. Challenge me. I, I right. would love to. I, I really can't think of anything that isn't. I did take the liberty of looking at who you are and you did kind of what you're doing here. If you want to talk about, oh, I'd love to. Yeah, I mean it's not too personal, but I can certainly give you some some insights. You are a very old soul. You probably picked that up having read my books. Right. Technically speaking, you're. There are 10 levels in all that we souls go through. First half, first five levels are as a young soul. Second five are as an old soul. And the, the flip happens somewhere roughly around halfway through all the lifetimes you're going to have. I mean, roughly. And the shift between being a young soul and an old soul is all about introspection. It's like the young soul is very outwardly focused. The, the old soul is more inwardly focused. Technically speaking, you're right at the end of level nine. You're where Oprah's at. It's 90% into level nine. What that means is that your soul intends this to be a fairly busy life. You want to get a lot of things done. You want to feel like your life has a higher purpose. This is something that unites every level nine soul. And 90% is analogous to level nine. So it's almost like a double need to have 
higher purpose and meaning in your life. And a great part of that is about really benefiting others, doing something that's bigger than yourself. And that's a major motivator for you. It's why you're doing the, what you're doing. Or it's a big part of it anyway. Your soul types, just to go from top to bottom, you're a spiritualist soul type. Most of my clients are, and most people who are interested in that kind of work are going to be spiritualist types. You get to be this through past lives as a healer or a contemplative. It could be acupuncturist one life, monk the next, physician the next. You know, it's like there's a spiritual connection and there's healing and it creates to, you know, combines to give you a deep seated desire to help other people. And in fact, I often say that how I describe level nine and 90% and the spiritualist are interchangeable. Again, all about finding a higher purpose, making a difference to people's lives and, and healing yourself as you do that as well. Other elements that show up in your personality, you've got a hunter influence, which is good. It's quite prominent. What that does is, and I joke about this being Viagra for the soul because the drive can drop off as you've been, you know, run the block so many times. So it gives you a little more drive, a little more ambition. A lot of women will choose it, the hunter influence to help to survive and thrive in a more sort of male-oriented world. So I see a lot in people who are in the corporate world or any area that's more sort of competitive. It doesn't always have to be, but it does give you more, more ambition. You've also got a couple of very soft, very emotionally centered parts. You've got the creator. This just comes from lifetimes after. That's literally creative person and also performer, which is great for being on camera behind a microphone. And the performers come, it comes usually from lifetimes as a singer, dancer, actor. It's not your, obviously your full soul type. It's just an influence. So it's not necessarily going to draw you to the stage, but you certainly have, it gives you things like people skills and the ability to communicate a little bit better. And you also have this fascinating thing. It's a very rational part of you, thinker-educator combination. Thinker type is very rational. So is the educator. Past lives, the thinker would have been an academic, scientist, explorer. It gives you a lot of curiosity. And the educator, just as it sounds, would be, you know, most educators are just, or I shouldn't say just, but they're teachers. And, uh, but the combination is, chosen to help well usually it's designed to make sure you get an education beyond high school level associated with getting a degree sometimes we're getting more than that you often see people with that combination having a master's or a phd or whatever Mm -hmm. and if you don't take the academic path it tends to then be classes workshops seminars training and learning 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 it does create a lifelong thirst for knowledge and learning you've got to feel like you're growing all the time you know, intellectually, there is a tendency to overthink and to question or second guess your intuition that comes from that as well. Sometimes you have to learn to really trust your intuition because it's going to be very, very strong with the other elements there. It's a good combination because you cover mind, body and spirit very well. And there's, you know, very emotional part. There's the, ac- the action part through the, the prominent hunter as well and very cerebral. I mean, it's like, Really great combination. Does that make sense of what you know yes, about I, yourself? Yes. But how did you, before we met, you were just 
How do you do that? <laughs> I literally just bring my spirit guides in and say, okay, what can you tell me? Huh. And that's uh, so I also got a whole past life of yours as well, if you want to hear about that. I would love that. Are you kidding? Yeah, <laughs> I think it it might explain a few things. Okay, so what I have here is that you had a, a past life. I'm thinking from the context that I got, it, was, it looks like early 20th century. This was in Belfast, Northern Ireland. You were a girl. You had a very, very controlling father. And you weren't allowed to learn to read and write. I mean, it's interesting because I, I think schooling would have been compulsory back then. But for whatever reason, mm. you didn't get the chance. You, you were denied the education that you wanted. So you literally grew up illiterate. This contributed to extreme low self-esteem and embarrassment about the fact that you, you couldn't, as the guide said, you, you couldn't even write your own name. And you also thought that, that reading and writing was almost like too hard, that you didn't even want to try because it was like something, maybe it's a past life fear of failure or something that pre-existing had told you, oh, well, I'll never be able to do it. And I think the low self-esteem played into that a, mm -hmm. a lot as well. They're saying, they were giving me little things like how you, you found workarounds, like you, you, you couldn't sign because you couldn't sign your own name, you worked in your father's grocery store, just like a little corner shop sort of place. The, just the little example they gave me was like deliveries would arrive and you were supposed to sign it and you would either make an excuse. As I said, you found workarounds. Mm -hmm. So you didn't have to, uh, you know, oh, I can't sign that right now or I can't read this right now or I'm busy or whatever. It was very, very limiting. I found this with illiteracy in past lives. It It really does radically limit your opportunities you know there's uh that you know you can't read a contract you, you you can't even read the papers you don't know what's going on and so you ended up when the father in that life died you moved to southern part of ireland uh, you you married and you married somebody who was a real bully he was very very cruel you went from a controlling father to a, it looked like a controlling spouse and and there was also a lot of ridicule as well because if you you know again going back to that thing of not being able to even write your own name and you died relatively early i'm not sure exactly how old but but, but certainly not old age you died of hepatitis or or complications from from hepatitis and significantly you died alone. Although you were in a hospital, it looked like there were no family coming to visit. There was, the husband wasn't there. You were essentially around strangers. And this, this affects the soul as well. So what I want to do is give you a few of the ways that this shows up in, or should show up in this life. One is that not being able to read and write in the past life, you are going to be much more intellectually focused. I think it would be why you chose the personality that you did or a big part of it. Because you were ridiculed for not being able to read and write, then ridicule is going to be a thing that's uncomfortable. You usually see when people have been ridiculed in a past life, they, it's hard for them to take a joke that's against them, you know, like being, being teased. You know, mm -hmm. it's hard. You know, people wonder, oh, you know, just a joke. Why, why are you crying? You know, that sort of thing. But it's because it goes to this very, very deep 
place inside you. The control by the, the father and the husband in that life, it shows up in this life as a, a what's called a fear of powerlessness. And fear of powerlessness, I think it's almost like 100% people with this fear resonate with the phrase, don't tell me what to do. Mm. Because if somebody tells you what to do, rather than asking you, it reminds the soul immediately of that past life where totally. you, know, you had somebody telling you what to do all the time. And But the very interesting karmic aspect of that is that a lot of people who've experienced that disempowerment in this life will want to empower others. And I think especially sort of intellectually as well, because of you being denied, you know, intellectual growth, basically, in the past life. Low self-esteem is a really, really, really big thing that, you you know, from that past life. So in this life, you're learning to be empowered, get over the powerlessness, and you're learning to develop self-esteem, which is usually like a, a little bit of a lifelong journey, you know, in the sense that it should be better now than it was when you were 10 or 20 or whatever. So <laughs> usually you should see some improvement, you know, all being well. But again, you know, and, and I know some of what you do is is involving helping people with self-esteem and and that is directly related. I mean, it's wow. kind of, could be, you know, clearer connection in a way. And one thing too that shows up, and I've seen this in podcasters a lot, is a past life fear of rejection. When you die alone, and okay, the, the, you know, there are doctors, nurses, and maybe other patients in the hospital where you died, but they're not loved ones. You know, this is, it's far from dying at home with loved ones holding your hand and talking to you as you, as you cross over. And it creates this fear of rejection. It's actually a fear, a feeling the soul has of, of being abandoned. You know, it could be abandoned by people or God, if that's for your belief, um, mm-hmm. but ge- generally a feeling of rejection and abandonment, which is actually the soul's biggest fear. Hmm. And so the reason that it shows up in podcasters so much is, and I think since my last book came out, I've done a lot of podcast interviews. I think every single person I've talked to has this, that this who's interviewed huh. has this fear they're working through. And the reason it shows up is that one of the ways you heal, I mean, I will say the best way is to do past life exploration, find out what the source is. But if you can belong, that's really great. You know, the more you can belong without being projected, whether say, you know, a group of friends or an organization or whatever, club, you know, it helps. But the best way is to apart from doing the past life work, is to be a uniter, to bring people together. And that's essentially, you know, what you're doing, you're creating right. community. And uh, this way, what it becomes, that fear of rejection then becomes a spiritual act. And a spiritual act is anything you do where you heal yourself by helping those who suffer as you once did. Mm-hmm. You know, broadly speaking, I mean, the people who who also need to feel like they they want to belong to something, and you heal your soul, they benefit from it. Well, everybody benefits. Everyone's a winner. Oh gosh! Wow, Ainsley. So 
How does that all sound? Amazing. And, you know, it's like I look at when you're talking, everything is exactly. And when I did the soul quiz on my, on your website, my, it was 18% spiritualist. I mean, you, you didn't take the quiz for me. <laughs> that was my, my top two were the spiritualist and leader. And they were both equally 18%. Yeah. Interesting. If I can just jump in there, you look like a leader. What it is, it's actually a hunter influence, very strong. But you have what's called a mission of control. Missions just give a, a focus to, to this life. You'll have several of them. The mission of control, I have it as well because I'm not a leader. I'm not, I don't have a hunter in me, but I do have some, a little bit of an air of authority that you get from this mission of control. It's not about being controlling, mm-hmm. but it's about, it's a wonderful choice the soul makes. And I keep meaning to ask my spirit guys why more people don't or most souls don't choose it. I will, I swear I will do this afterwards. I'll have a little <laughs> chat with them because I've, I've wanted to know for a while because it works really great. What it does is it allows you to have that strong leader influence when you need it. But because it's coming from a, a mission mm-hmm. contributed, you know, combined with the, the hunter in you, you can switch it off. You can put it to one side when you don't need it. Because the, the challenge is, if you come into this world as a leader, it's there the whole time. You know, you're, it's, it's 24-7, you're, you're a leader. A lot of the time, you don't need it. So this is a way of switching it on and off. It's hmm. a way of a- acting instead of a way of being. Oh, yeah. It's a great, great combination. Huh. You know, what, what other thing resonated was when you were saying, I didn't know how to write my name. And I remember my oldest, who's 17 now, in kindergarten, she did a play-based preschool. So they didn't learn how anything like that. They just played. <laughs> and we get to kindergarten. She didn't know how to write her name. Oh. And I panicked. <clears throat> I panicked and I changed. I mean, she was at a public school. And the next year I said to my husband, we got to find a private school. She needs to get, you know, learn. I, but I you, remember you, panicking. You would have panicked because I did. you know, oh, oh my God, this is the worst thing. You know, your soul would immediately go to the fear. Oh my God, she's going to end up like me in Ireland, not yeah. being able to function properly because of this limitation. Right. Gosh, that's so, oh, that's, that, that hit me when I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. So uh, this other question that came up to me when I was listening to you was, so there's a little aspect of my soul my soul is still in the astral plane, mm-hmm. but I chose to come into this body. I chose my personality. I chose my looks. Mm-hmm. I chose everything, yeah. but I could still be in other human bodies, another mm-hmm. aspect of my soul right now at the same time. Yeah. Sometimes people feel uncomfortable about the idea of the soul being in multiple places because we feel very, you know, attached to our soul. And the idea that it's off in other parts of the world is a bit hard for people to get their heads around. But the soul, the word that the spirit guides have used is expansive. And, you know, so it can be on the astral plane. It can be in several bodies here. There's only been a few times I've looked into this because it doesn't really, it doesn't really influence you. You, you don't, generally pick up on where you are, where else you are in the world. So there's not a lot of growth from, I mean, just curiosity of some people's parts, you know, where else am I? You know, I'm teaching piano in Paris, you know, as, as, or last time I checked in, I was, so I'm not, maybe doing huh. something different now. And, <laughs> you know, several other places, but they don't influence me that, you know, in a, I don't generally feel that 
effect. So there's, you know, it's a lot more, you know, interest on the spirit world's part. To, it's all about looking at past lives and, you know, and what you're doing here and the connections you have with others. These sort of parallel lives that you get, there's, it's not that common. It's very much more sort of older soul thing. And part of the reason for it is, well, I think the biggest reason for it is the increase in population that's been very sort of dramatic over the last maybe 150 years. So, you know, it's that hockey stick graph thing mm-hmm. where, you know, it's going, going like that and suddenly up like, like that. So if you didn't have old souls splitting off to be in other places, you would have a huge number of new souls, young souls coming in and it would create a, a, a real imbalance. So it, it's a way to keep the balance. The benefit is that you get when the, you know, these elements of your souls reunite, you get all the growth. Because each part, wherever you are, you know, teaching piano in Paris, but I'm still overcoming the same fears, past life fear of inferiority, past life fear of this and that, you know. So you get sort of like a turbocharged growth okay. when all these parts come back uh, together again. So there's, some, there's a lot of benefits uh, from doing that. But it, you, it is something people have like a little bit of a struggle getting their right. minds But around. when you say like I'm 90% through the ninth level, would I want, would my soul want to do that so they could expedite my time so I don't have to come back? I would say, I mean, I'd have to really sit down with my guides and, you know, to just, you know, focus on it. But yeah, you're going to be in several places right now. And uh, next time we talk, next time I come back, I'll have this all for you, Oliver, you know. I'll really go into some some depth here, oh, fine. but but yeah, most old souls are are in other places. As many as five, even six, would be it wouldn't be unusual, you know. I, I mean, I think I have four. I mean, four other places, and the few times that I've had clients who are really interested in that, I think I think it was about five or six, maybe, and really random, you know, kind of all over the world. You know, I'm thinking of one who was, you know, I only remember the two uh, lives. One was, she's a purser on a Greek cruise ship. And she's also running a, a family restaurant just outside of Mexico City, you know. So oh my God. the soul can be all over the world, but still experiencing the same things or, or mm. trying to heal the same blocks and fears, just in very, very different ways. But, huh. but bringing all the same past into it, and the interesting thing too is that it's not like you are the the, the hub, and these are little satellite mm-hmm. lives. The way the guides presented it to me is that it's like lighting a candle off another candle. The original candle is not diminished, and the mm-hmm. new one doesn't look any different. You know, so the the soul is complete wherever it is. Right. Huh. So I also understand. So. There's no death plan that your spirit guides have said there's, they've never said, Ainsley, you're going to pass away on this date and this year. Nope. There's not that. There's a sort of mystery around, around that, you know, like we're, we're, we're not really meant to know. I did have one time with spirit guides when I had a friend who was dying and the guide said, you know, she's got about a year and it was just almost to the day. It was a, it was a year, but. That's possibly the only time I've had the spirit guides tell me something like that. 
rest of the time they go, well, we don't even know. So, Because of know, free will? Is that why? Yeah. You know, somebody told me when, when I was a teenager, she was practicing to be a psychic and told me I would die at a certain age. And I, you know, I remember talking to the guides about that. Well, am I really going to, because I'm, I'm not getting any younger, you know, and they're going, no, you know, th- that is just bullshit. And hmm. uh, it's also, it's very disempowering. Right. I had, a, I had a client, I think I wrote about this somewhere, a client, it was, she was very distressed because she'd been told she was going to die at age 73 and she's 72 and a half or whatever, you know, and she's getting close to it and worrying about it. And uh, spirit guides are going, no, nobody knows. So, you know, that, like somebody tells you that they're just making it up um, with that one exception that I can think of. But I mean, otherwise, I've never been able to to get that. It's not. I mean, it, and really the way it's presented, the guides will say, we don't know. I mean, we know we could, we're all going to die, but um, exactly when. But the, yeah. your spirit guides have been human. They've already gone through their 10th t- levels. They've already done every level. The ones I work with are, you know, you know, I talked about my Uncle John. He was, you know, still working through lives, you know, going going from here to the astral plane between lives. He passed me over to these causal plane guides who have completed all their lives. They're more, they're not sort of individuals. They're more like a sort of group. So, and that's actually one of the wonderful things about them because they, they have immense compassion for what we go through here on the physical plane. Mm -hmm. And they don't ever ridicule or trivialize anything. You know, people will say to me, Clients will say, oh, I, I feel the question stupid or whatever. Spirit guides will never think that way. No, you know, they're here to help us navigate life on the physical plane. So, you know, there's no such thing as a stupid question or something that's, that's uh, irrelevant. And, you know, I just love the, the compassion, just the compassion that the universe has, that the spirit guides have um, towards all of us, you know, just this deep, love and concern and, you know, really wanting to help us. Something I've talked about is like, you know, uh, they're more aware of the potential for connection, but they see us more clearly than we see them. You know, a lot of times we're not even sure if we have spirit guides, whereas they know they they can see us a little bit more clearly anyway. And they're very motivated to, to help us. And support us. And it's kind of just, it's what they do. Right. Like connect you with people. Like they're on a mission to get you to that, fulfill your life plan. Right. Yeah, connect, connection with others. Yeah. I had this conversation with the guides once and, uh, you know, I was saying, what do you do when you're not, you know, helping me with a client session or answering my questions? What, you know, what are you up to? And they said, we're very busy. Obviously, everything happens. It's, Sort of, sort of energetic level, so there's no right. sleep or anything required. It's, they don't get fatigued, and they said this is for them the great game. Is they called it is helping us to meet each other, to meet mm-hmm. members of our soul family, and those who will support us on our journey. And of course, you know how we will support others. And so that's that's kind of what they're doing all the time. It can be, I oh, I said this. Many times that I think if we understood this better, we would value certain relationships much more 
recognizing mm-hmm. there's been a lot of work on the spiritual plane, getting you to meet this person and connect with them. And I think also we'd spend less time with people who we're not connected with and free up the space to be able to, to be with those who are really with us on the, on the journey or meant to be right. with us. Yes. Oh, totally. When going back to the death thing, I meant to ask you was, you say that, or the spirit guides tell you that, like, let's say someone dies. My dad passed away when he was 64 and it was, he was young. And if he's not ready to, we're still his soul family. Could he come back in as one of my nephews or one of my, you know, oh, yeah. see that's yeah. in his birthday was like, right. When one of my nephews was getting born, I go, do you think dad's coming back and to be him? <laughs> but very, you kind of said ve- that. Very often. This, yeah. This, this happens. I really enjoy, I mean, it doesn't happen every day, but I enjoy those moments when I can see that somebody's, I don't know, like the dad's come back as a, as a child or whatever. And then this, we start to look for all the characteristics, the sort mm-hmm. of signs are, you know, somebody I wrote about in the instruction of my first book when she was telling me about her, her problem teen. And then, you know, I, I said something about how, well, she had been your mother in a past life. So she doesn't like to be told what to do. It's like, but you don't have the authority. Right. And she said that when this kid was five years old, they're having this like, you know, real, you know, headbutting argument. And this five-year-old just looks up at her and goes, you can't tell me what to do. I used to be your mother. <laughs> you know, and, you know, so I hear different variations on that. So yeah, we, we you know, we come, I mean, we don't always come back into the same, you know, family of origin or, or, I mean, we can, we can be all over the planet, but we do tend to, as older souls, come back into soul family, which are, are souls that we kicked around with before. And also, they're ones that came into this world around about the same time. So they're going to be roughly the same soul age, you know, oh, okay. so we're going to see the world kind of, um, you know, I mean, got to allow for some being less experienced than others. It's like a horse race, you know, we all come in, or this bunch of souls comes in at the same time, off they go. And some fall at the first fence, some right. get an injury, <laughs> slows them up, whatever, some race ahead. So we get to the finishing line at very different uh, rates, but uh, do generally sort of, that's the thing about soul ages, does, you do see the world through that sort of lens of your, your soul's experience. Right. So, but that's know, like, who you attract. Like I always say, your vibe yeah. attracts your tribe, right? Like, but that's you know, exactly right. Like that's, and I see even lately as the older I get, I couldn't go back to the groups that I was with 10 years ago. I mean, there's a yeah. few that still I connect with, but then, you know, it's like I start to notice my, like, even the way I parent with the girls when they attract certain friends, I'll say, well, that's your energy. It's like, like mm-hmm. I feel like you're, when I, if I speak your language, it's like your soul levels are similar. Would you say that? Like Absolutely. when you are- when you're starting to really, you know, manifest the person that you really are, you will draw very much. You'll find yourself drawing those kind of like-minded old souls, members of your soul family. In, right. You know, I mean, I mean, people can be drawn to that authenticity anyway. You know, when you're really manifesting the soul, you know, manifesting the person that you are, but. Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of how it how it works. You know, we right. do it. We're seeking members of our soul family all the time, and they're seeking us. Right. And so, when you another ex- thing that I 
found fascinating because I'm a dog person. I know you have Lily as your cat. That yeah, yeah, yeah. She would not um, tolerate a dog in the house, so we're, we're, we're gonna be cat, but, um, cat people till she goes. <laughs> but you explain like we, I've, you know, we we are only ever going to come back as a human for these and to complete this ten levels. Yes. The dogs and the cats and all the animals are doing their own levels of growth, and they will only be an animal. Yeah, they could be. That's- Lily could come back as a dog. No, in my experience is we stick to the same species. So, you know, a dog will come back. It will come. It can come back as a different breed, but for some reason, usually the same, roughly the same size. You know, so uh, you know, so guides put it one time: a Chihuahua doesn't come back as a Saint Bernard. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense because they have their little personalities, right? But, Absolutely. But they- oh, oh, yeah. That's something you'll notice as well, you know, that um, you lose a pet and then another one comes along and they, they do that quirky little thing that Bonzo used to do. You know, it's like, oh, you know, they, they, there's that weird thing of sniffing at the window or whatever, you know. These are little signs to to look for. Lily, my cat, who you referenced, she was my my cat Tiger. When when I was a kid, I was uh, told I couldn't have a pet. I have a fear of powerlessness. Don't tell me what to do. Went straight out and bought a cat and worked it very cleverly. So I was told take that cat back. Sorry, the place is closed for the weekend now. <laughs> <laughs> it was just long enough for my parents to fall in love with uh, with Tiger. So uh, even when I offered, like on the Monday, okay, should I? Should I take him back? So go, okay, let's just keep him another couple of days. So that same cat has been back, you know, and they have shorter lives, obviously. So they do tend to come back sometimes more than once or twice, you know, it can be, I've seen three, four times even. I'm thinking of somebody I worked with years and years ago. They lo- they'd lost the dog. Actually, the funny thing was the dog came through <laughs> This happened in my early days. It's good. I'm going off with a little tangent here, but I'd be working with somebody. I'm working with causal plane guides, but sometimes astral plane souls would come through and start taking the opportunity. You know, grandma would be kind of wanting to say something, and it would really confuse me because I'd be getting, like, you know, it's a shift in energy. It's like a, I can't even describe it, but, you know, I'm trying to talk to the you know, client about their life purpose and grandma's going, I hate the curtains that you bought for the bathroom. And you know, my client's <laughs> going, oh God, I knew she would hate them. And then one time it's like, yeah, I'm trying to go, who is this? Like a grandparent? No, it's like, a no, it's a bloody dog, you know, coming through. It's kind of going, hey, I would take this opportunity to say hello. And it turned out that it, it had a family, had a really deep soul connection, but it was only there for a few months ago to hit by car. And so that dog has been back. I think several times before and then several times since. So I'm actually going to be releasing a course next year or just a little, little sort of mini course. It's about um, animal soulmates. But the one thing that, you know, I talk about a lot is we, because we have deep soul connections, we can form really, really strong bonds with animals. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure, you know, and older souls more than younger souls. We can feel the loss of a pet, like the loss of a human being. Right. That's me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But especially, you know, when you're very empathic, you know, I mean, you're an empath and, you know, it's, uh, animals know 
which one of us, which ones of us are em- empathic, and they will really make those deeper connections. What about relationships? Who you choose as your wife, like Christine? Is she? Are you going to be at the same level? Am I at the same level as Richard, or would we just kind of get a divorce? You know, like do you grow apart? That's an interesting thing. I mean, well, I mean to take Christine. I mean, we met later in life. Mm-hmm. So did we? This, yeah, and you know, I was almost sixty. She was, you know, about ten years younger. We met at a music party. I knew I was going to meet this soulmate, life partner. I mean, it's an advantage of having spirit guides. So I knew that was going to be the weekend. And, oh wow! Uh, yeah. So I, huh. I told I told everyone I knew on the Friday night that I was, uh, I was I was going to meet this person. I, I said it was I, my goal wow. is to, to to find this person by midnight on Sunday. So I ended <laughs> up going to a party and run into her, and it was like it really was the closest thing I've had to to love at first sight. It's just wow. like something happened. It was very you know it was really. I mean, super clear. And uh, like, were you going from person to person? Like, is that her? Is that her? <laughs> well, I did. I, get- <laughs> I, I did. I did. Like, yeah, I was kind of everywhere I went because um, you know I had five, you know, forty-eight hours. You know, right. So everywhere I'm going is still could be. Could this be the one? You know, <laughs> sh- you know, I'm in the supermarket. Should I? Oh, this somebody looks attractive. Should I ask her out? You know, it's like, <laughs> Uh, somebody at the party, um, I talked to her for a few minutes. And I go, eh, I told the guy so on. And then just, you know, we just gravitated. She was singing, wow. I'm, I'm playing bass. And uh, it was just like, you know, the rest is history. You know, I, I mean, I was smitten and still am. Um, oh, she's that. absolutely adorable. I love her with all my heart. And uh, so we'll be around till one of us goes. But you can meet soulmates and things don't work out. And I, you know, there's a lot of myths around soulmates because, mm-hmm. you know, the idea that somehow you meet a soulmate, it's going to be like cherubs with trumpets and it's good. Everything is going to be soft and gentle and perfect. And it doesn't always work out like that. I mean, I've met a couple of soulmates and things ended up horribly. People can develop personality disorders. I mean, you can make all these, these agreements on the astral plane and then you come into this world and you know, people can develop addictions, or, um, you know, quirks and things that make make it maybe very, very difficult. So I had a few, you know, major relationships with soulmates that didn't work out. And, you know, part of the problem is I think we, we think, oh, I met a soulmate, so this has to be it. And then I've seen people struggle like I did, you know, like, oh, my gosh, you know, I mean, it certainly happened to me or where I'm going, oh, maybe, you know, I should stick it out because it's soulmate, you know. This is before I did the work that I, I, I do, you know, and, and understood it. But sometimes the relationships have a sell-by date, you know, like mm-hmm. good before right. or whatever. And when you're younger as well, you you can – a race through a lot of the lessons that you, that you wanted to experience with this person. And you can get, you know, very quickly, you can find, no, 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 it's just not sort of working for me anymore. Right. And that's why souls make multiple agreements. So that uh, if you, if it doesn't work out with the soulmate, you're not going to be destined to be alone for the rest of your life, that there'll be somebody else. Right. So when you say you met Christine, you know, in later in your life, was 
you were in the astral plane with her soul saying by the time you know i'm 50 and you're 60 we're going to connect or are you just like here we go we're going to figure out how to get together how to what was happening there was the she'd been single for a while i'd been single for a couple of weeks oh <laughs> you know I mean, well i i've been you know d- d- separated from my ex-wife uh, for at that point maybe about 18 months and, and i'd dated you know, a little bit but i was yeah two weeks <laughs> i have a mission of connection it's actually something souls will choose that um um, again, I don't want to get too esoteric, but it shows up in my life plan that I am really not meant to be alone. I mean, I I need people like a fish right. needs water. I mean, I, uh, I'm an extrovert. I'm kind of shy extrovert, but I recharge around people. And one of the downsides of that is that I would choose to be even in a very dysfunctional relationship rather than be alone. Hmm. And, uh, you know, and... The big theme of my life was narcissistic abuse. So I, I'd experienced a lot of that and stayed in situations that I shouldn't have, or ideally, you know, I should have got out well, sooner. But, you know, I'm, I'm one of those who goes, well, I'd, you know, better the devil I know or, or whatever. I mean, hmm. I've grown since then. I mean, I've done the work, you know, so it wouldn't, it wouldn't happen again. But, um, that was how it was when I was, when I was younger. And, uh, you know, really needing to be somebody. So I was very rarely not in a relationship, you know, most of my life. But um, I wasn't always in very healthy relationships or very, very rarely. I'm actually releasing a course, by the way, in it's going to be March 1st. I'm going to be releasing a course on helping. It's called Healing the Wounded Empath, and it's to help empaths recover from narcissistic abuse. Hmm. Because, Interesting. Oh my God, have I experienced it and have so many of my clients. And there's sort of almost like an epidemic of that. Oh, so totally. You, you can, so you can come into a relationship with a you know, soulmate agreement and they turn out to be abusive. And the the lesson is not to stick it out. It's the lesson is to learn, you know, not to allow yourself to be abused and uh, right. to move on. Like I say, that's why, you know, one of the reasons we have multiple agreements on the astral plane to make right. sure that, yeah, sometimes there's no guarantee that if you meet a soulmate, and a soulmate is just somebody who's part of your soul family that you've known before and right. with, with whom you have a, a romantic agreement. Like, and, the, and the, the agreement is not like a, it's not carved in stone. You know, it's like, uh, it's, it's a kind of, let's see if we can make it work. So all your relationships, every relationship you've had in your life, they're all part of your soul family. Okay. No, no. I, I mean, if I'd done the work, if I'd understood what I know now, they would have been. Why? Because you would have known and talked to your guides to say, or well, you just... I would, I would have looked for things like familiarity, connection, shared worldview, that sort of thing. I got stuck in, you know, a couple of relationships with, with uh, women who are much younger souls, um, who, you know, absolutely no, no connection. But I, I, it was a combination of low self-esteem, past life, fear of inferiority, one of the ones you're, you're working through. Um, so I wasn't exactly discerning. And I think okay. if I, I mean, this is what I often say. I think if people knew about soulmates, like I was touched on before, you know, if, if we knew that we have agreements with some and we have, don't have agreements with others, we would discard 
right. more, more quickly, the ones that are not really with us on the journey. And something related to that too is you being a spiritualist soul type. When you, For most spiritualists, once they reach about the age of 35 or 40 or somewhere in that zone, they really get on the path. And then the growth becomes quite dramatic. You're learning, you're, you're developing this greater connection with the spirit world and so on. And if you think of it, you're, you're going like that and other people are flatlining. And the, the longer time goes on, you know, the bigger that gulf can become. And right. this is where people, they'll often turn around, typically, you know, around about 40 going, you know, oh my God, why am I hanging around with that, you know, those people I knew from high school? I mean, right. They're dreadful. And I go, oh my God, I dread having a call with them or how, oh God, I want to go for dinner. You know, sometimes you're growing so fast and other people aren't. You just, you just lose the, the connection that you had. And so a lot of spiritualists, soul, soul spiritualists will, will learn to kind of discard what they, mm-hmm. the, those relationships they, that are no longer serving them. And it frees up space to, to bring in people who are going to be more supportive of you and your journey, especially in a spiritual journey like you're on. But the podcast, oh my gosh, Ainsley, I just, it was one of those things that said, Ashley started a podcast four years ago and it, and now I see why. I didn't know why at the time. I was like, who's going to yeah. listen and who am I going to interview? But I really, it was calling me, right? It was something yeah. that, and now I've met my soul tribe. That's it. This, this is how, you know, because, you know, people say to me, well, where can I meet my soul family? Where can I meet my people? Well, you have to meet them somewhere. And, you know, we have a membership program and we have our regular Soul World Sunday that yep, I've attended, that. you know. And these are places where people have actually formed friendships and relationships that will probably last this lifetime and, and maybe more. So, you know, we all need, particularly old, older souls, really need to feel that we, we belong to something, you know, like, bigger than ourselves. And uh, so it can be a real challenge. There's a lot of old souls with that fear of rejection that I talked about and who need that community but don't know where to find it. Right. And the main thing is to get, you know, find people who think the same way, kindred spirits, you know. So, you know, what are your interests? You know, so you can meet uh, kindred spirits at a, uh, you know, a yoga class or a book group or, Wherever people who have, you, who, wherever you can find people who share your your interests, you know, right. somebody like like you or me, it might be in a more sort of spiritual context or around healing. Right. Uh, okay. We're, I'm at the end here. I just want to ask one thing. I have children, and I heard you talking about your children, and you know, kind of minor teenagers and going into this world that we're with the shift that this since 2020, since we've seen this evolution, do you see there's their higher level souls? Are the kids coming in? It's all different because we're all different. But what, like when I think of school, like the old way of doing school, like the girls are doing finals this week and I'm thinking they're not going to, this nothing of that is value. I heard you to say you were terrible at math. And I'm like, so was I. And like, it doesn't have, you just like, you looked around at the school. Like I, that nothing about school interests me. Like I would just sit here and learn, read your books, but mm-hmm. that's where I, do you see the world having more of 
people saying to these children, like, you're this soul, this is where your interests are, like, follow that, you know, and I've been such an intentional parent about that. Like if my daughter, she saw a postcard when she was eight and wanted to do a pageant, I'm like, what? You know, Mm -hmm. so here she goes. And when you talk about performer, she's probably the a performer type, a leader. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what? where do you see that as we end well, this beautiful interview? Well, there's a lot of uh, people have noticed that the, the, the sort of younger generation, if you like, there's a lot of old souls coming in and there's a shift in consciousness going on. This is the subject of my second book, The Transformation. And so you, know, you hear terms like indigo children or whatever, but there's, they tend to, I mean, my kids blew me away when, you know, when they were little with the, you know, their, uh, the level of self-awareness that I never even saw in my generation. I don't never saw it in myself or my friends, such a, a stronger sense of who they are and, and just, you know, just a greater uh, awareness. So that's happening as a result of this shift in consciousness that's, uh, that's going on. I mean, it's not an easy world for these old souls to come into, you know. Right. But are they choosing to come in? Those well, they're, cho- they're choosing to come in. Yes, absolutely. But also, a lot of them with a, um, coming in with a, it's called a mission of ch- of change, external mission of change, which is about wanting to change the world and make a difference. You'll see it even in school age kids who you know, come home from from school and lecture you about recycling or something like mm-hmm. that. You know, they, they're more concerned about the planet they're going to live on and uh, have to experience. And, uh, you know, planet is in, in crisis. So to some extent, there's a rescue mission going on. A lot of these younger people, I mean, Greta Thunberg is a great example of that. She's a trans- transformer. She's here to change the world and make a difference. And uh, there's a lot of, older souls with that greater level of consciousness, which really is the awareness that we're all connected. And of course, that we, we're connected to the, the planet we live on. We need to take care of that as well. I think it's fascinating to see, and it, it actually gives me a lot of hope for the future. But to go to something you said, the education system is, it's not how it should be. It's not conducive when it comes to helping old souls live the mm. lives they should. I was like you. I mean, I, I hated school. And actually talking of being lousy in math, I remember <laughs> the, the, the one time, I can't remember how old I was, probably about five or six or something, when I realized, I, mean, I did some basic arithmetic and figured out I was going to be stuck in school for 13 years. And I just <laughs> remember that. Oh, God, beat me up. You know, it was like, I felt literally like I was going to prison every right. single day. It was very old school Scottish. It was a uniform. It looked like Hogwarts. You know, it's a day school, <laughs> but it looked like Hogwarts. It was like without any of the magic. It was a huge focus on discipline and sports, which I was awful at, you know, and it wasn't funny. intellectually that smart or anything. I was, I, you know, I was neurodivergent and um, completely disinterested, you know, anything other than art. Maybe art and music, you know, that was that right. was about it. So I feel very strongly, you know, because understanding now about soul types, if we could help to channel, you know, like the the innate abilities rather than force people into this cookie cutter approach to education, I think it'd be a great thing. And I think, you know, I mean, it's 
this Rudolf Steiner and Montessori and all that sort of thing, which I think is 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 great. But the old school school, mm-hmm. it really, I mean, at some point it's really got to change. I mean, I could have thrived as if if they just said, you know what, you're pretty awful at most subjects, but you're really good at art. You know, I mean, paintings on the back. I know, you know like, um, amazing. Play guitar, you know, I've been a, I was a cartoonist, a cartoon illustrator for 20 years. But if I'd got like a little bit more support, it could have made a big difference. But I'm sitting there with my, I believe it's called dyscalculia, it's like dyslexia with numbers, trying to do math, being told I was stupid, you know, and it's like, oh my God, you know, I look back and I just want to shake these people. And, right. Did you raise your kids like that? Did you let them follow their passions? And absolutely. And I, uh, you know, I said, you know, whatever it is you want to do, I'm totally supportive. This is your life to to live your way. And you know, I mean, I don't mean if they 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 want to go off and do cocaine and uh, you know be right. part of a gang or something. <laughs> I'm not going to support <laughs> that. But my youngest is a he's he's a, got a lot of performer and a creator in him. And he's uh, he's been teaching himself over the last few years to be a music producer, and he's doing incredible work. And uh, you know, he's working with rappers and you know, creating incredible beats. My oldest, but it was interesting. I read my kids within an hour of each of them right. being born, and and my oldest, I remember saying, "I was really confusing because this is somebody who's fifty percent creator, fifty or, or you know, halfway between creator and thinker." You know, hmm. so super creative, super intellectual. And I, I'd never come across that before. And it's, I've only kind of come across it a few times since. And uh, so he could have gone in either direction in a way. And, but he'd graduated with a degree in marine biology and, and oceanography. So two degrees, doing a PhD now. And also he was out on the ocean catching fish or, you know, doing whatever they do with scientists do with fish but also drawing them as well oh. you know, the creator and the thinker neat oh, so that. yeah so but but i felt that very strongly because i felt growing up i actually a big part of my life like always being told what i should be doing and or what i wasn't doing was whatever i was doing was not right or why can't you do this why can't you be more like that you know like what whatever so i was very very clear when the kids were born, you know, uh, this is, uh, I just want, it's whatever they want to do. Right. And uh, because I think so many people, especially if you're working with self-esteem issues, you could really thrive if you had people saying to you, you want to do this? Good for you. I mean, that's actually a, a, was was it like student-led parent-teacher meeting with my oldest? And I just, oh my God, I was so, I mean, I'm a calm peaceful guy, but I right. occasionally I get steam coming out of my ears. And the <laughs> teacher is, you know, where my kid, I, um, and he was maybe 15, and said, and the teacher's going, so what do you want to do? And he's going, I, I'd be an artist or a scientist. And uh, I said, well, you'll never make any money through art, so you should oh, do geez. science. And I, and I went, oh, my God. You know, well, like I say, I had a 20-year career, a successful career as an illustrator. Kid's mother was a graphic designer. You know the the idea that you couldn't make money through eyes. You know, so that as I say, that drove me nuts. Still, I still get impassioned as you can tell about it. And I really think, you know, like 
this is a, a it's a challenging thing for a lot of parents because we want the best for our kids. But we have to remember that they're here with their carbon, their journey, their life plan. And we want to support them or we right. should be supporting them, even if we don't understand. I mean, to be honest, I mean, I, I don't, I've, I've got a very limited understanding of the modern music business and rap and hip hop right. and stuff like my, my youngest is doing, but he's good and he's, he's really good at it. And he's, it's, he's passionate about it and he gets my 100% support. But I think a lot of people, because they don't understand, you know, why would you want to do that? You want to be an actor, but be an accountant. You will always have a job. Right. You know, it, even when I, I, I finished college through the star school, the biggest argument with my parents I could remember, it was because I wouldn't go to teacher training school. They were both teachers, you know. And, oh, it, was like, huh. and uh, it was like, it didn't compute with them. And I went, right. oh, no, I, I'm not here to be a teacher. It's not what I'm going to be doing. And, you know, I mean, that was their path, but that was what their understanding. And of course, they were security conscious, you know, uh, that generation, World War right. II and rationing and so on. But yeah, I th- I think it, it's one of the biggest favors we can do for, for anyone. And I, I don't just mean the kids, but, you know, if you've got a friend who goes, you know, I'm thinking about doing this. Great. How can I help you? Talk yes. to me about it. You know, support them. And, you know, even if deep down you're going, oh, God, you'll never make any money or, you know, are you sure? You know, that's what we all need, I think, is encouragement mm-hmm. from, from those around us. And I think it's important to offer offer that to other people. Right. Yeah, that's what you've done for me. I don't judge, but I think since I've understood the levels I was having this conversation with Richard this weekend about, you know, it's just so fun to like sit with people. We were at a party, a Christmas party. And I, you know, you're looking around and you're like knowing what you've taught me in my levels. And I'm listening to what people are talking about. And that doesn't really resonate with, that's not my interest. And, you know, but it's all good. They're doing their little soul journey. You know, it's like, that just doesn't, I'm not interested in that. (laughs) And it doesn't mean when people are acting badly that you, you support them. You go, Oh, well, that's just, you know, youngsters right. acting out or whatever. I mean, we should, you know, should not tolerate, you know, misbehavior or, or just chalk it up to, Oh, well, they're, they're just dealing with such and such, you know, still should, you know, at the very least guide them right. know, on, uh, into, into behaving better. But it does, I think it makes such a huge difference. I find the biggest thing for me learning the system that I use was self-acceptance because that had been a huge, mm-hmm. huge challenge for me. I was, I never felt accepted when I was younger. And, but it's also helped me to be more accepting of other people. Right. Uh, and understanding that, that, yeah, that, you know, they're seeing things differently to me because this is how they are put together. And, uh, it's all, you know, that's their sort of programming. So I think it's, it, it leads to greater acceptance of others and greater self-acceptance. Right. Yes. Oh, Ainsley, thank you for going over. And I oh, appreciate you. Oh, you're so welcome. I, well, as you could probably tell, I could talk about my work all I know, day. I love it. <laughs> passionate about the subject. Oh, I could go on and on with you. I just, it's been, I love doing this podcast. And I think I even love it more now, knowing deeper about my soul from you and understanding that I am on my journey and I am living my true soul's essence. I feel right. like. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I think you're, you're, you know, definitely a round peg in a round hole from <laughs> what I can see, you know, like, uh, you know, what I'm seeing in your soul types and cell age and everything is very consistent with what you're doing. I mean, obviously you can, you can do loads of things with that combination, but this, this works very, very well. Right. So you're having, you're coming up with new programs coming up. Yeah. You have your website, you have your books, you have your Sunday calls, you have your, what else? Yeah. Can't even remember half the time. <laughs> so many things we do. Well, they're, they're the big things. We've got, we got a manifestation course that uh, just has just come out. So uh, the details about that on the website. I call it not just another manifestation course because oh, it's good. it's not it's um it's taking into account things like you you know who you are your your soul types and also taking into account your fears and getting over those blocks you know like it's very hard to manifest things if you don't feel worthy for example you like, I don't deserve it well that's that right. is a real block you know so this is a way of getting over the the underlying limiting beliefs do uh, manifesting from who you are so you're manifesting appropriately and i show all the different techniques that uh, that i've used one thing i've been good at is in my life is manifesting and uh, particularly when i after starting working spirit guides and getting it more sort of uh, like a like systematized but even before that you know it was like hmm. i was unconsciously using the techniques that i'm now giving people and uh you know th things like uh yeah give me an example where do i begin uh, well <laughs> emigration i mean i left london 30 was it 31 years ago 32 years ago and uh prior to that i had what i realized now was a sort of almost like an intervention with the spirit guides to get me out of a really bad situation i was living with a sociopath and it was kind of like to, you know, killing me. And uh, mm -hmm. so I had this moment where just I was faced with a choice, you know, is do you want this to be your life or do you want to change it? And um, the next morning I, uh, I wrote a list of things that I wanted to do and, you know, an outline for my life and number, and I didn't know how I was going to do any of this. Number one was, I want to, I want to go to America. I'd always mm -hmm. anchored. I mean, I always felt my destiny was in the States. And at this point I'm in my, sort of late 30s, I guess about, mm. probably about 37, 38. So that was one of the first things. I mean, I had a list of about 10 or 20 things. I wish I still had the list. I'd like to yeah. see what I wrote. But they, what I did was I took action. This is a big part of it as well. You know, a lot of people put things out there, manifestation goals, without doing anything themselves, you know, hoping right. the universe will somehow magically right. respond. And it will, you know, but you have to – you have to be contributing to this. So, you know, I went to see a, an American immigration lawyer the next day and he said, oh, you know, it's going to be really hard. And But then I met somebody in New York and, you know, moved to the States and married and, and so on. It, you know, I was saying, you know, didn't work out ultimately, but it was, right. you know. It was your way um, in. Yeah, you know, and something I wasn't really aware of until really reflecting on these things. But yeah, that was a big part of it, I'm sure. You know, so a lot of it's just about getting really clear about these things. You know, what is it I I want? Right. But it's something I was reflecting on actually this morning in the shower. This is like, this is a really odd one. That I made another little list when I was trying to think, probably early 20s. Mm -hmm. And it was funny. It was just little things like, 
I think I must have still been at art school in Scotland because I, I think it partly had to do with moving to London and some of the things that I wanted to do. And just at the end of it, I, <laughs> for, no, I'm not an actor and I used to have a terrible fear of public speaking until I did right. the last life work around it. But I just threw in for good measure. I want to perform on Broadway. Oh my God. <laughs> and, uh, so fast forward to like, um, I don't know, 28 or something. And um, I'm with a band from, from Britain. I'm playing, playing bass and in New York. And I did two gigs on Broadway. Like what, well, you know that, Oh my God. You're not building a Times Square, the sort of triangular one with the sort of like news yes. thing going around it. It was sort of up there looking up Broadway. And then a couple of nights later playing at the China Club on, also on huh. Broadway. But the first gig, I didn't make the connection. It was the second one. I'm flying away. And then I go, holy cow, I wrote about <laughs> playing on, on, on Broadway. Oh, I <laughs> love there it. I am. You know, this is not exactly maybe how I... Yeah, you don't have expectations. I think that's the thing with manifestation too. It's not always exactly how you think it will work out. And then you have that right. moment later where you realize, oh, oh, this is it. You know, that's right. what, I, what I went for. So Yeah, oh, fun. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> oh, Ainsley, thank you. Everyone check oh. out, go get his books. Go on his website, AinsleyMcLeod.com. Excellent advice. <laughs> and uh, join his Sunday. I love doing that on Sundays. And if you don't oh, get yeah. to be there, then you can listen to it if you have signed up. So yeah, Soul World Sunday every Sunday at twelve Pacific, three Eastern. My wife Christine and I do this broadcast. It's a meditation followed by sermon uh, stuff I get from the Spirit Guides, a little Q and A, and it's a wonderful community. Mm. You know, we were just talking yeah. about it this morning. You're just so loving and supportive. So yeah, yes. come and join us. It is free, you know, so right. come along, say hi. Yeah, I love it. Thank you so yeah. much, Ainsley. Well, thank you so much. This has been wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Uncover Your Magic podcast today. If you are inspired by what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already... Please subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. If you would like to connect with me with any questions, comments, or feedback, please contact me at the Uncover Your Magic website. Thank you so much for listening, and don't forget, always look for the magic.